Benfica Podcast is one of the founding partners or founding projects of Benfica Independent. Uh, BenficaIndependent.com is a site where you can find tons and tons of content. Our podcast included Brinco do Batista, Benfica FM, along with uh, uh, audio uh, recaps uh, of games, a lot of podcasts about modalidade, if that's your thing and you want to keep up uh, with the modalidade, but you really don't have the time uh, on your schedule to watch the modalidade on BTV, you can now catch the recaps and also modalidade talk on Befig Independent, along with a lot of uh, uh, opinion articles, uh, all independent, everyone with their own opinion. There's no agenda between a Befig uh, Independent. The only thing is that we just want what's best uh, for the club. Uh, Befig Independent is also on Patreon with two levels of support, one at two and one at five. Uh, and I believe the five gets you some uh, free swag. So uh, if you like the content and if you like what's produced on there, uh, please do support us uh, by going to uh, patreon.com backslash Benfica Independent. Ser benfiquista é uma crença. É uma religião muito grande. A visão é um culto. Que é liberado, que é crer, que é mental, que é o caráter das pessoas. Calma de quem é grande, maior que os maiores. É uma paixão para a explicação. Eu não consigo explicar o que é ser do Benfica. Eu sinto o que é ser do Benfica. Mas de facto uma paixão. E as paixões são assim, vivem-se assim intensamente. Aqui não há nenhuma razão. É paixão, paixão, paixão. Ser Benfica. Até à morte. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Talking to the Doll Befica podcast, episode number 408. Christian, is it 408 or 423? Could be, right? I think if you add by fours, it's 412. Because you add You're right. one equals four, right? Yeah. So it's 412. Yeah. I think you need to rearrange the contas over here in the title. But nonetheless... Alfredo, <laughs> welcome to the Mifiga Podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's right. My name is Alfredo Fumasas, as always, with me, uh, Cristiano Oliveira. And I'm Cristiano Oliveira. Come my again, cousin, man. David's not here with us today, but like my good friend likes to say, Bom dia, boa tarde e boa noite a todos que nos estão a ouvir agora. We thank you very much for tuning in to us. We are going to attempt to do another Mifiga Podcast. We're going to attempt to speak about Benfica, but nonetheless, as you guys have grown accustomed over the last couple of podcasts, we try our very best to talk about nonsense, anything to get us from not talking about the current events on the field. But sadly, sadly, Alfredo, we can only stray from that so much. Yeah. So here we are. All all tangents end up leading us back to uh, this miserable season that we've been having. Uh, but anyway, as Cristiano mentioned, we're one Oliveira less uh, today, Dave uh, couldn't be here today, but uh, we are here, as always. Uh, on tonight's podcast, we'll look back at the Porto and Nacional games, and we'll look ahead to the Sporting game, which comes up this Saturday in the penultimate game of Benfica's regular season. We still have the TASA, so we got three games left with the TASA final coming up. But uh, yes, so here we are, uh, Porto needing a win. We'll get right into it, Cristiano. Porto needing a win uh, at Stade de Luz. Uh, we lined up with uh, Elton. Uh, needing a win to stay alive. Needing a win to, to at least... To, to keep to delay Sporting's title uh, well, celebration. That and also the chase for the second place to lock up well, but uh, then, an but, automatic uh, But then if you go by that, then we needed a win too. <laughs> no, we needed a win. You said Porto needing a win at Stade de Luz. Well, against Porto. We needed a win. Oh, absolutely. Well, we need to win against Porto no matter what. <laughs> yeah. And by the way, before we get into this game, before we get into this game. Get what? As I said before, we we do everything we can in our powers to, to, to talk about the game as little as possible. But I had, I don't want to call it the pleasure. I want to call it, I had the sufrimento to watch, the unpleasure to watch. The I don't know if it was. Uh, the Whatever. The unpleasure. The opposite of pleasure, right? To watch. I don't know if it was recent or a year. I don't know because I don't follow uh, all campaigns. But I, I was scrolling through the channels. And I put on BTV and they had a Benfica Futebol Clube do Porto. Some type of playoff game. Game, Benfica. game one of the semifinals. Oh, and was that? Is that this year's? Yeah. Okay. So, it, so, so I'm up to date. It's current. It's current. 
Benfica, I turned it on, it's 5 0. I was like, From that moment on, bro, I, I watched the rest of the game. I, the whole game, the, the Benfica announcers complained and complained and said it was an absolute embarrassment. And I, and I have to agree with them. If we think, and for those of you that are, that are listening to this right now, you've never had the pleasure of watching roller hockey. And you watch Benfica, obviously, on the football pitch, and you think that the Robelier is going on for years with Football Club Porto. What I witnessed in that uh, Patins game makes whatever Benfica goes through on the football pitch look like Mickey Mouse. Because that was any Porto player will fall. It was just. And, like, I guess, I don't know, every five fouls. Serginho, our boy Serginho, Yoko, if he's, if he's, if he's listening to this, up hit us up on Twitter, two thousand miles the kill. But I think every five fouls, you get like a penalty, or, or like a free kick, or like you one on one with the goalie. So it was like the referees are trying to do their very best to give Porto a penalty, and the guy kept scoring too, the Portista, big motherfucker. Credit to him, kept scoring. But bro, it was foul after foul after Benfica players again what in, in in our own ice hockey, which is a slashing, right? To the thighs, whatever, to the hands, to the gloves, which is a two minute penalty in Amer- in, in American ho- in whatever in world hockey. But in Okapiti, bro, Porto got away with and I'm sitting there and I'm just like this shit is worse than on the football. It's pitch. been like that for years. It's atrocious. The, the issue with that is that it doesn't obviously doesn't have as the much attention. visibility. Yeah, yeah, exactly. As Football does. Alfredo, that was bad. Yeah, it's been like that, especially at the Dragon. That was at the the Caixa. At the Dragon Caixa. (laughs) Is it Dragon Caixa? No, it's it's Dragon Arena. No, it's Caixa. It's not Caixa anymore. Well, they said Caixa on TV. That's why I'm saying Caixa. I thought it was Dragon Arena. I I don't know. I thought they changed it from Caixa because it was sponsored by Caixa Geralta. I think his name is Ricardo. You and I met him, I think, in Massachusetts. I think it's Ricardo. He was doing the play-by-play. Yes. And these guys are like, you know, we're professional journalists, and we're not being Benficistas here. We're just being sportsmen. This is embarrassing. How is it that the world watches this and doesn't say nothing? And these guys who write articles don't comment. Bro, it was atrocious. And luckily, Benfica did come away with a 7-4, victory, whatever it was. You know, impressive, but dude, it 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 was like the guys were just falling. It was whistle, and it was just it was, it was very it, it it enraged me. Yeah, because it it saddened me and it pissed me off to see that it goes from the football pitch, it transcends, it actually goes into the modalidades, which is it's freaking pathetic. Yeah, it's one thing to tell me that. There are certain clubs that begin away with murder. On the football pitch, you expect it because the football pitch, soccer, football in Portugal carries so much weight. It's the sport of the country. And you're like, okay, I get it. There's millions at stake. And even though I don't like it, I could understand them, those clubs going out of their way to doing everything they can some way, somehow to influence the result because there's millions at stake. But now to see it in these secondary sports, it was, it was, it was pathetic. Yeah, no, it's it's been like, from my understanding, it's been like that for quite some time. I know. Um, to me, it's, it's look, Alfredo. It, I watch. I don't even know one a year, and yeah. this is my one a year. It, bro, it was, and I, I've always like. I think out of all the Portuguese sports, with, with the exception of soccer, my favorite one to watch it is roller hockey. I was a little kid. I used to like that because whatever. But you know, it, it 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 really was depressing to see that that shit actually infiltrates other sports, and and it was sad to see. It's really, I don't know how these Benfica players were able to keep their cool, um, because. That shit would enrage me, man. It was, it was yeah. bad. It was bad. No, I guess, I mean, after a while, you're so used to it that it's like, well, that you don't get phased or jaded by anything because you're just so used to it. It's always the same story. But for, for, for me, I, I watched some of that, and I got to be honest. I don't know all the rules. I know the basics. I know stuff like tripping when somebody's tripping you with the stick or or they slash you with the stick. I understand that. But some of the other stuff I'm I'm not too uh, familiar with. Uh, but yeah, but from what the commentators were saying, was it absolute disgrace the yeah. type of officiating that was going on in that game? It was bad. And just before we get back to to to, to football side of things, I just want to say, Calminha, Serginho, João Nuno, don't, we're not going to take over the Modalidades podcast. That you guys, you guys handle that. That was just our little two minute thoughts. But uh, nonetheless, you guys do a fantastic job. For those of you listening to the Benfica podcast that are, that are interested in the modalidades from Benfica, make sure you check out Benfica Independent, Serginho, João Nuno, everybody involved in those projects. They do a fantastic job. They have different athletes from different sports. And we're talking about Olympic athletes sometimes, guys and gals that have been around that are some of the, the very best at their positions in, in, in whatever sport that is around the world. So, 
check those guys out, Benfica Independent. They do a fantastic job, and uh, I promise you guys, I'll leave that to the experts. I just wanted to give you my thoughts. I thought it was, again, I know I've said it, not being repetitive, but it was pathetic. It was, it was shocking, shocking to witness that in other sports. Yeah, and, and I got to be honest, because uh, there hasn't been uh, much going on with the, the modalidad, especially in, in, the, in the male uh, side of things with the modalidad that would make you uh, uh, happy. Uh, Benfica was in the final four of the Champions League of, of the Futsal Cup, and they were eliminated. Uh, Sporting, obviously, you ended up uh, winning that. But on the women's side, uh, they've been absolutely dominating from futsal, from basketball. Uh, they've been really, really, really good. The only highlight in the male side has been the volleyball. Um, if he has been very, very strong, but, but yeah, like, like Stander says, if you want to know a little bit more about the Modoli Dodge, make sure you catch, uh, Benfica Independence, uh, segments there. They record them every Tuesday night. So they're available in podcast format, uh, on Wednesday. So if you want to check that out, give those guys a listen. But anyway, getting back to the sport the game for as much as it pains us, to talk about the this final stretch of Benfica's season, uh, Portuguese really a, a poorly played game by both teams. That the one highlight of the first half was that individual play by Everton, which ends up being a bit fortuitous uh, as it comes off that dribble of two players. The the uh, the ball um, comes off of him. Somebody hits it. Then Rafa plays it to him. It was either Rafa or Pizzi. I think it was Rafa. Pays it to him. He ends up hitting it uh, on the first post. What are you talking about? The, the Everton goal against Porto. Oh, it was Pizzi. I think it was Pizzi. It's a fantastic individual effort by, yeah. by, by, by Everton, who I think we talked about last week's podcast, is finally coming into his own, is finally showing so those flashes uh, of that player that we thought Benfica was buying at the beginning of the season. And he had a fantastic individual performance. He you know, was able to control the ball, dominate it, put it behind, bring it around, nice swift one-two. Around with himself, you know, from right foot to left foot, around the Porto defenders, ball deflected a PZ who was smart enough to one time it right back to him, and yeah. he got on it, was able to to to, to squeeze his shot in between Pep's legs, if I'm not mistaken, and, yeah. and beat the goalie near post, which I'm pretty sure he's expected a you know a far post uh, shot, but nonetheless caught him napping, and if he took the lead, yeah, which, which was about the only positive thing in that whole first half, Alfredo. It, it really was, <laughs> um, and then in the second half, Porto came, and obviously they had to chase the result because now. Uh, their four-point gap to Benfica would be cut down to uh, one point with the loss at Salud. So Porto did what they could. Benfica on playing on the expectation, just hanging back, seeing if they can counter Porto. Uh, and obviously, they didn't didn't turn out too well for Benfica. They would relinquish uh, the league in the 75th minute. Uh, and then there was a couple things going on. Obviously, the refereeing seemed to be a little bit biased at times. Yeah, but that um, that was in the first half. I mean that's the, I mean right from the very first minute, Otavio comes in, you know, whipping cracking the whip, I should say, and the referee kept letting him go. Kept letting him go. And then there was one play in particular down our left side, Grimaldo straight hacked Marega to the ground, which I thought that was a yellow card. Didn't give it to him. And then a minute later or a couple minutes later, I don't know. Excuse me. I forgot the exact timing. But I know that Vigo commits what is what, what I'd consider. And I'm not being bifigista. I'm just being honest. My, it considered a regular foul. The referee whipped the yellow card right away. Um, he was given yellows back and forth. I thought that, you know, he forgave a couple of yellows uh, yeah. to certain players. What's his name? Uh, Sergio Oliveira had an entrada from behind on Rafa, got a yellow. I don't, I don't really want to sit here and call for a red, but I've seen reds being given for less. And so I just thought it was a very uneven uh, yeah. uh, uneven, you know, uh, job by the referee. Benfica had another, uh, which I'm glad there was VAR because, I look, one thing about us here on the Benfica podcast, and that's what I think I like about Benficistas more so than, than other fans, than other teams' fans, right, is we're fair, right? We, we look. Thankfully, Rafa breaks on the left, gets hacked down from behind. Referee calls a foul, calls a penalty inside the box. All right, Benfica obviously celebrate. They don't know at the time it looked like it was inside the box. When it went to VAR, it was clearly outside the box. But unfortunately, he was called offside. And I'm not going to sit here and dispute whether he was offside or not. It, to me, it, it looked fifty-fifty. 
to be brutally honest with you, Alfredo, I don't think there was incon- there was ever any conclusive evidence that he was offsides or that he wasn't offsides. So at that point, I have to trust him. I have to take it for what it is because I don't think there was a, a clear view that dictated or that showed you that he was or wasn't. But nonetheless, VAR came in, and I, I've heard a lot of people, or you know, even a couple hours after the game, a lot of people complaining about the VAR situation and yada, yada, yada. But I think that the referees, according to the VAR, the rules, I think both times, and even the one time when PZ scores a very late, late winner in the 92nd minute where Darwin was offside, I think he looked like he was offside. Slightly, he looked like it, again, there wasn't any evidence that he was onside. There wasn't any evidence that he was really offside. It was one of those plays. You got to take it for what it is. The biggest problem I had with this whole game, it was really the criteria of the referee mm. where he was showing Benfica players. In the second half, it was kind of like, you know, Everybody makes uses this one meme, right? But it's the Oprah Winfrey, right? You get a yellow, you get a yellow. You it was just everybody was getting yellows while Porto just kept getting away with foul after foul. Yeah. And somehow, some way, we are here nearly a week later talking about this game, and I'm still wondering how in the world did Pep finish that game? Yeah. No, and it wasn't so much um those specific cases, but there's a lot of things, a lot of little fouls that are being deliberately, well, according to what some people say, that deliberately called to break up the flow in play, to break up a play, to push Mefica back. Uh, and those are the little things that a lot of people don't see. Uh, but there's a certain bias um, from the referee. The, offs- the offsides, uh, look, it, it's all up to how VAR sets up the lines. Because if they have time to set up the lines and say, oh, okay, here's the lines and it shows clearly offside, we don't know uh, how the lines are set up. From what my understanding, from what I've seen, there's um, there's an out plan of the field that shows all four lines of the field. And what VAR does is they take their lines they line them up with the outside line so it doesn't matter what the camera angle is as long as those lines are lined up with all four lines of the rectangle of play and then once they do that they will place that on what they feel is a foot or whatever and then they place it on the other foot and the thing figures it out the biggest thing with var is and I've always said this since it's uh, it's induction, is the VAR is only as good as the people that are in front of the VAR or that are controlling the VAR. Because if you have uh, crooked referees working the VAR, and I'm not saying that the case, that's the case or not, but if you have biased referees working the VAR, they're going to have a different interpretation than what the reality might be. So those are all things to consider. Again, Extremely close offside calls. I mean, one was 19 centimeters, and I don't even know. I'm, Here's I'm the one thing I wanted to, in, I wanted to get into that, and I didn't want to interrupt you. But I don't, and I have to be brutal. I don't understand. I don't know the the, the European the the not but the metric system, whatever. What's it called, Alfredo? You know more about this than I do. I don't understand anything about. It. You know, I'm in yards and feet. That's what I know. But according to what I was told, those 19 centimeters, that's the equivalent of 8 inches, right? Is, I'm looking it, is it close? I'm looking it up okay. right now. But that's what I was told. 19 centimeters is the equivalent. 7.48 Okay, inches. whatever. They said 8 inches, whatever. That's the person told me. So roughly, I guess he rounded it off to 8 inches. And I'll tell you this much. As I've said before, and I'll, <clears throat> and I'll keep saying, <clears throat> I don't think there was conclusive evidence that he was, you know, clearly offside or that it wasn't but i'm gonna take it for what it is the one thing i will tell you is this that shit sure as hell didn't look like it was no eight inches separation between rafa and zaidu whoever the, the the last offender was at the time it just did not look like there was eight inches separation that's the one aspect of it that i'm like hmm okay but even eight inches man just think about what eight inches it's, is afraid eight of- inches is 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 tight is small. You uh, no, but eight inches is plenty. You can see plenty of daylight. Been eight inches, eight inches off. This is look. This but is eight it. inches is a very very small margin. Alfredo, eight inches. There's a lot of guys 
That was eight inches didn't matter that much. Trust me, <laughs> or or wanted to see eight inches <laughs> badly. But trust me, it's it look. It's like this. You can definitely see plenty, and I don't think there was ever. I can't see any eight inches of separation between the two, and that's the part that it makes me go. Yeah. Hmm. You know what I'm trying to say? Like, yeah. Thirty inch. Thirty inches is is a lot more uh, noticeable, and and maybe that's inches, why, dude. That's a foot and but, a half. But, bro, but maybe that's inches. why on a thirty inch, the one with. Uh, with Darwin, we saw right away. Now nah, he looked offside. I don't even know but if that was thirty inches, one, though. But I don't even know if that was thirty inches. He was offside to me. To thirty me, centimeters. To, okay, thirty centimeters, which is so seven. Nineteen centimeters is eight. So thirty, it's probably like ten, eleven. I don't know. I'm guessing, right? So it's probably like ten, eleven inches. Eleven inches. Yeah, it's almost a foot. So it, it didn't look like a foot to me as well. But it, look, but it looked. But upside. from the first, even even as I and I'm not trying to look Monday morning quarterback. Right, it's a lot easier to do so the next day. But at first, I was like, mm, but I let it go. I'm like, okay, whatever. Golu, just happy. But for because again, I go by the lines on the grass. That's why they they yeah. cut the grass and, and and it just looked like there was a little bit more grass, like lighter grass behind them than it was behind the Porto defender. Between them, I should say, and I'm like, oh, okay. That one, it looked like it was, a, but but the peasy one, bro, it's still, it, it's it's very hard. But look, nonetheless, guys, uh, it, for those of you that are fans of VAR, I understand it went against your team, but that's what VAR is there for. Mm-hmm. And if it was, and for if it was team. correctly, if it was correctly applied, you know, if the rules were correctly, I have no problem with it. And again. I've stated over and over and over. I don't think you can give me any type of evidence that that he was onside, or that he wasn't. I mean, so you have to go by the call on the field, it's kind of, you know. So I can live with that. I just can't live with the criteria of the refereeing. It just seems like game after game, uh, Benfica players are constantly hacked down. There's, you know, any little foul. There's yellow cards shown to Benfica players where the opposition gets away with murder, and it happened again. You can make the case if you really want to be. You know, if you want to go by the rule of law, you can make the case that that foul, that Pep got his initial yellow card on Rafa. He comes in straight on his He never intended to go for the ball. He was all man. Not only did he catch him on the knee, knee to knee, right? Could have ended his career, right? You catch him a little bit wrong and he tears his knee. You could, the, the guy could be out for the next year and a half where he could have ended his career. And then on top of it, with his hands up top, he punches him right in the face. I don't know if that was intentional or not, but nonetheless, you are responsible for your limbs. So if you really wanted to be a prick about it, you could say he could have very well seen a red card in that one play. And then he gets away with it over and over and over. And it's as if these referees are intimidated or scared to make a call against this one team, and I don't understand why. But this is game after game. Year after year. And this is why we talked about on our last podcast about the performance at the Dragon where Benfica didn't play anything. They didn't, they didn't play really well. But the one thing that we were all happy about was the fact that they came in with that attitude, that aggression. We didn't see that in this game. Porto no. was definitely an aggressor. Now, Benfica scored the goal. Benfica went up 1-0. And it pains me. pains me to admit it. And it pains me to, to see it. Where Benfica really started playing like Mekipa Kena. Right, it was just concede the ball and let's play you on a counter. And Mefika should never play, especially at home. Mefika should never play like that. I don't give a crap who we're playing. And you guys have heard me on the podcast yeah. year after year. Mefika should always play to win. And Mefika kind of played small ball mentality. But that being said, before we kill the head coach, as much as I didn't like it, and trust me, ladies and gentlemen, I did not like it. I can kind of understand it because to be to be frank with you guys. From day one, Benfica hasn't played crap. Benfica has not played well, with the exception of a few games or a few halves or a few minutes throughout the season. Benfica hasn't particularly played it, played good football. But you can make the case. Football Club Porto hasn't played well neither. They've just been bailed out by certain instances in games. And they've been able to squeak away at the end of the day. You play for three points. And that's all they worry about. They get the three points, so it masks the bad performances. Because they play just as bad. As Benfica did. So I think George Jesus looked at that and said, look, this team struggled just as much as we have. They haven't played particularly well. We got the lead. They need to come get it. If we're able to hold on to this, and I understand it's going to be ugly, but in order to win a game against a team like this, because we know everything else is going to be going against us, we're going to be playing uphill the whole game. You know what? We're going to sit back. We'll let you make mistakes. Come at us. And we'll hit you on the counter. Yeah, but... 
To to me, my thought is that you needed to win that game regardless of what happens after that game or if Porto drops points or we end up getting second place. You always got to win the game. And to score one goal and you didn't play Jack uh, in the first half and then come out in the second half and just kind of be on the expectation of what's going to happen, what's Porto going to do, let's hit him on a counter. Like you said, small ball, small ball mentality. But then that could also revert to the point of JJ understanding and realizing the squad that he has, the limitations that they have. Is this a squad that has balanced enough that they can continue attacking and not expose themselves in the back? We don't know that. Maybe his understanding is like, well, we I can't send this team forward because I know on the counter Porto can bang us. So we're just going to compact, we're going to close lines, we're going to compress. But you and I, and growing up with the Pefica that we've grown up with, that's that. That's not a mentality. That's not the mentality we, we grew up with. No, hundred percent. And Alfredo, if you look at if you didn't watch this game and you look at the stats in your head, you're picturing totally domination by Futebol Clube Porto. But the reality of it is, aside from that goal, I don't recall another clear scoring opportunity. They really, I mean, they took shots, but taking a shot on taking an attempt at goal and shooting on goal is two different things. Yeah. Right. They had 16 shots or whatever the hell it was. Really, you know, with the exception of one semi-save, which was kind of like a cross shot by Marega, and Helton got his hand on it, there wasn't really a lot of work for Helton late in this no. game. And I get it. They you had could, the you ball. You could also say Marquezine didn't have any work. But but when Benfica did go on goal, right, the few chances, they they I, I thought that they were more dangerous. I thought they were a little bit more dangerous. Marquez Mar- 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 and Mar- Marquez, whatever his name is, he had the one save on. He got lucky. Though. I understand the ball deflected on a, on a top shot, but he mishandled it and he got lucky that the ball bounced off the crossbar. Yeah. Things could have been totally different. Benfica did create. I just thought that they were a little bit more dangerous and there are very few occasions they, they, they pose a little bit more of a threat. Not that Benfica did anything with it, but I don't think Porto did anything. Great that, you know, you just saw that the possession, you saw the way they were coming down, it was one-way traffic, and you just said after the 30th minute on, you said, look, it, their goal, it's a matter of time before before they score a goal and they equalize here. We need to change things. That's maybe where I could get on George Zeus is that we saw that one-way traffic and he did nothing to change it. But to his credit, to his credit, you insert players on the field that I'm still wondering if, if PZ got a phone call. Did he know that there was a game? Because he was, I get it. He got on that last play in the last, and I loved it because I sent a tweet like, "Yo, can somebody let PZ know that whatever the game, blah, blah, and then he scores, and you know, I love to eat crow, I love to eat crow, uh, but you know, uh, lucky for, for 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 Porto and unlucky for us, they call that you know offside on Darwin, but PZ was non-existent in a game like this. We had nobody in the middle. We, sh- I mean, we you talked about this on the last podcast where you thought they were going to have an advantage in the midfield over us." And that's exactly what happened. But at the same time, I need my center mid. I need my playmaker to come and check to the ball. He wasn't even attempting to do that. It was as if I'm here. Awful. But I'm not here. It's just, and it was, it's just look, awful. And for those of you that didn't watch and you're listening to us today, or even if you did watch, you guys know it's it's bad when you got to revert to Gabriel coming in the field late in the second half to try to get some type of possession because – Bro, our midfield was non-existent yeah. in that whole game. And you hear us here all the time talking about how Pizzi's a manco master. Uh, because what happens is when Pizzi is given enough space, which little teams sometimes do give him space, you could do anything with the ball. But when the, when he's playing with the big boys, not so much. Uh, and at this point, I don't even know what to make of Pizzi. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I just don't think that he... He pulls enough weight on defense to even be a guy where Benfica plays with only two guys in the middle. Maybe he's a guy to play behind the, the striker where he doesn't have very defensive, a lot of defensive responsibilities. But even in today's game, in the modern game, even the forwards need to defend. Even the forwards need to stop that first line of construction. Uh, and uh, I don't know. I just don't think that PZ has, has it in him. Um, My biggest criticism of PZ. Aside from the one that he didn't show up, and get, it, it's we've seen. We I think I think we saw a different PZ this year than in years past, and maybe just me, right? 
But I I saw Peasy that when he wasn't starting and he was coming into the game, it wasn't the same enthusiastic Peasy. It was kind of like, okay, I'm mad that I didn't start. How dare you not start me? And I'm going to go in just because you asked me to go in, but I'm not particularly going to try much. I'm just going to go through the motions, which really upset me, man, yeah. because at the end of the day, you're a professional, man. And I get it. And look uh, – <laughs> Trust me, I used to cop an attitude when things didn't go my way as well, and the coach would leave me out of bed, and that, but when I go in, man, like, that enthusiasm, you're playing, you're getting to do something you love, and I get it, I'm, you know, I'm pissed off I didn't get in here early, but I'm here now, and the way things have gone for Benfica this year, you know, very few things have gone our way. We're trying to battle and fight it out, to try, at the very least, to salvage second place and get the direct qualification to the UCL, and these players just, there's no want, there's no pride there's no you know i'm gonna do this for for the shirt yeah it, it, it really it, it really leaves me disappointed man yeah and, and look you're talking about a guy who's a, who's a pillar in the locker room a guy that i i feel and i don't know how many people feel this that was was the ringleader and behind probably some of the sabotage stuff that ended up happening to both vittoria and, and laj and he's also a guy that this year he lost his captaincy to a guy who's just arrived at the team um and also has lost his undisputed started role uh so there's a couple there's a few things happening with 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 Pizzi and I think look I think that if JJ sits him uh, in detriment of uh, of Tarapt, I think that Tarapt offers a lot more. At least he may not be able to defend, but Tarapt puts in the work, and that's not something that you could that you could say for Pizzi. Um, so I don't know, man. It's it, it's difficult, but this this whole thing with with Pizzi and a lot of players on this team uh, that really need to be looking at and see if they, they even deserve to be at Pefica. Uh, obviously, Pizza has the numbers to to go along, so it's hard to dispute what he's done for Benfica in his career at Benfica. But certainly, uh, these last couple months for me uh, hasn't been really good from Pizzi. Look, whoever's making these decisions on, on on the plantel for next year on the roster, they they <laughs> they really have to look at these guys and and I get it. Some guys are ninskrits and other guys aren't, but you really have to see. And determine who is that's putting it all on the line for this club, and who's putting it on game day, who's trying, who doesn't have an agenda, who's not being a little bitch. You know, guys that want to be here, guys that want to fight for this club. There was a lot of people, and you know who you are. I don't have to sit here and point the finger, but you know who you are. At the beginning of the season, when Otamendi came to the team, they wanted nothing to do with this guy, and they criticize him, they call him all sorts of names, but. There are very few guys. Very few. When I say, if there's one, that's a lot. There's very few guys in their locker room that put out week in, week out, game after game, that put out more on the line, that put out more effort, more guts, and more rasa than Otamendi does. Yeah. I mean, from the outside looking in, and obviously we don't have uh, the inside of what goes on in the locker room, but from the outside looking in, he, for me, he is the guy that's the leader of this team. He is the guy that you hear him talk all the time in the back, uh, instructing players, giving encouragement to players. This is what Otamendi brings to this team. And I don't think right now any other player on the squad is bringing that level of engagement, that level of leadership that Otamendi has. Uh, so for all those guys that criticize him, ah, oh, Porto player, blah, 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 blah. These guys are professionals. And if they... Vertonghen is, is a veteran. He's, he's, he's a leader. Guys, he's less, but he's silent. He's silent. He's, he, You're right. Me, well, I don't want to say silent because we, we're not in a locker room with him. But, but he's on the vocal. field, he's not as boisterous. You don't see him over there. You know, Otamendi's getting in your face. He's going around, you know, motivating people, clapping in their faces, getting, yeah. you know. Vertonghen is a different kind of leader, not to take anything away from him. But what we see on the field is the one guy that was crit heavily criticized week in, week out. He's the guy you know that, even whether he plays good or not, he's always going to put it all on the line for this club. And you admire that. You have to admire that. Yeah. Let me ask you uh, one more thing before we uh, wrap up this Porto game. Um, and this is this is a, a, a subject that's been that a lot of people on Twitter and social media bring this up, is the fact that 
from a club standpoint, Benfica doesn't have anybody that comes out and speaks out on these injustices, on these biased refereeing. Do you think that if we had somebody that it was vocal, like Jota Marx is, like the guy from Sporting is, that Benfica would get more more calls our way? Listen, my opinion on the whole matter is I think it's stupid. I think it's pathetic that those other clubs have that. I don't think it should be allowed because it gives the sport a bad look. I think it's despicable to see what some of these guys say. So for that reason alone, I I really don't even want to have anybody to come out and be as stupid and ignorant as some of those other guys are. I don't think that's necessary. I I think those guys should get banned. So I can't I couldn't sit here and support Benfica for doing something that I completely despise in Portuguese football. I think that the league needs to step up its game. I think that the Benfica authorities, the big names, the big guys, when they go to these meetings, a lot of times you have these, you see the Liga, right, calling calling these meetings, and some of the teams don't even show up. They could care less. You know, the sport itself as a whole needs to improve from VAR, to refereeing, to communication from 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 adversaries, right? From everybody getting on the same page. Because at the end of the day, football is entertainment. It's a spectacle that's there to entertain us, the public. And instead, this is turned into propaganda as a war of words. And, and, and at the end of the day, that's not what sport is about, man. And yeah. you see that hatred and, you know, it, it, bro, I, we live in the United States of America. We named the sport. With the exception of very few, maybe you know, Giants, Philly. Even now, even though that's changing very, a bit, right? Very big but rivalries. but you can you can go you can go and sit with team with with other you know friends of yours wearing different jerseys and you know sit there and tailgate and barbecue and get drunk and go to the game together and celebrate. You, you can't do that in football. And in Portugal, God forbid, you had a guy you had a guy in, in somewhere in Minho not too long ago be attacked with a freaking uh, with with um. What do you call it? Um, uh, my Motoserra. God, Motoserra. Motoserra. Yeah. What do you call it in English? Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> I'm gonna let you struggle. Come on, man. <laughs> uh, 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 oh my a God! Chainsaw. A chainsaw. There it is. Right. The guy was attacked with a chainsaw for walking down the street with a Benfica shirt, which is it was all over the news. It's pathetic. The scenes we see in Portugal, and a lot of that, Alfredo. Comes from the Jota Maris, comes from so I can't sit here, guys. I'm sorry, and I know a lot of you because I have a lot of friends that say we need to act and do the same things they do. No, I disagree. I think that they need to be educated that that's not right because all they do is spew hatred. Yeah, that's all it is. It's not sport. It's hatred. Yeah, but look, the the league has to do something about it. If if the league takes a hard stance on that type of commentary and that that type of hatred uh and vitriol uh i believe that then that maybe goes away because they have the control don't find somebody for 53 euros with 60 cents or but i get but even worse but we can, look but, at this but hear me out hear me the, out the, but the Sergio Conceição in, in Ruben Amorim he got fined fiasco he got fined 10 yeah, or 20,000 no, that's fine yeah, and but he's sitting with, in the bench it's it's so yeah, ridiculous is, that's ridiculous that's far, but I I wanted to address this because I hear and, and look I joke about it as well, right? Oh, here comes a three hundred euro fine, but I think the league, right? You have the players union, you have, you can't just come there and look. I'm finding you a hundred thousand dollars when half of these guys in Portugal make twenty thousand euros, so they're going based on the average salaries in Portuguese football, and they can't if they can't you know impose a a, a thirty thousand or forty thousand euro. Uh, uh, a fine on Sergio Conceição, and then the very next week, the same coach from Moreirense does something at thirty thousand. That's all the guy. The, the guy's gonna owe for two yeah, but, years. But you set a precedent. I, I get it, but the press. But you you go based on averages of salaries, and I think that's why the league. And, and it seems like a little, but if you but if when you're, you're thinking not about making millions, a lot, if you all of a sudden knows anybody that comes out, yeah, but those with co- commentary but really get that that talks shit about refereeing. You're gonna be penalized thirty thousand euros. The guy that makes fifty thousand euros, he'll think twice before he says anything. But you don't. But you really don't see those guys, with the exception you don't, of you don't. you don't see those guys saying a lot. Be- you really because don't. even to them, a thousand euros is a lot. 
A thousand euro to a guy at Benfica Porto Sporting is nothing. And yeah. sometimes maybe Abraga, because th- those are really the only people you see talking, chirping. Salvador Abraga, Sporting throwing jab, Benfica, Porto. That's the other teams they'll say something, but it's like, well, we don't want to really talk about it. Because they know. Because they to know. them, two thousand euros is maybe a week, a month's check. Yeah. To some of these guys. Where to these guys at Porto Benfica, two thousand euros is is nothing yeah. but a but a wallet for them. But I just think that the league ne- needs to take a hard stance on that and and really curb. Well, I, I think what they should do, it's more about suspending and up- upholding the suspension as opposed to the fines. Because again, there is a precedent because of the players' association. You have to go through all that. You can't be fining guys more than what they make in a year's salary. So they have to adjust their 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 because it's that. average. It's average of salaries throughout the Portuguese league. And they can't fine you more than they fine me because I make more than you or less than you. No, because the fine has to be the same for everybody. That's how it is. What they can do now is you start doing some of this and some of this stuff that they do and you start suspending them. And you start making sure that you're suspended for 21 days. You're suspended for 21 days. But suspend the guy for 21 days after the second or third offense, not after the 20th offense. Yeah. And that's where you set the pressure. Well, you have, a, you have a, 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 an upscale of, you know, your first offense is this, second offense is this, the third offense, so on and so forth. And, and each offense will carry a longer period in which you're suspended. Uh, but I really think that the league really needs to take that stance because – if they're trying to make our league more attractive for uh, foreign investment, for, for foreign interest, then it can't be the joke and the circus that that currently is. But our league is a joke. It is a joke. Alfredo, you know I'm not making this up. And those but, of you listening, I, I'm sorry to bore you with this. But you know I'm not making this up because we've had this conversation when you're at work and I call whatever in the car. And I tell you all the time, bro. I can't watch Portuguese football when it's not Benfica. And you know that. I don't watch. I don't. Man, there's a lot of people and, in the same boat. And, and I got plenty of people that call me and ask me to go on podcasts and talk about Portuguese. I'd be like, I, I don't know what's going on. Because no. it's a tro- Portuguese football is ugly to watch. And I hate to say this publicly because I was born in Portugal. It's my country of birth. I love it. I love going back to Portugal. Say what you want about Portuguese football. It's still our first love. We have to respect our own. But at the end of the day, it's pathetic. It is. It is pathetic. Um, and I think that, as we mentioned, a lot of it is created by the outside forces around football uh, because it ends up uh, hatred, hatred speeches and hatred discourse. It's not good for the game. Uh, and it's not good for the teams. It's not good for the players. It's not good for 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 anyone, uh, and I really think that if the league wants to make the game attractive, they need to make some changes. They need to make some drastic changes. They make they need to make uh, some examples out of certain situations, which they haven't. I mean, it's a joke. Uh, how many times does a coach need to be thrown out uh, in order to be suspended? Uh, you know that this whole situation with Polina, uh that up until this point, we we don't know. Where that fifth yellow card is, where he, where that fifth yellow card he is finished with come seven, in. but he never served the suspension for the fifth. You, you notice that? But here's the it's thing: if joke. I, I think because I, I remember saying that word specifically, I just don't remember if we said it on the podcast or not. But I believe we did. So if you go back and listen, I think we said it sets a bad precedent. It does, and that's exactly what happened because then their coach got a suspension, Sergio Conce got a, and they went right back to that. So in essence. What you're, what you want the league to do, which is punish these guys and start cracking out on them, the league loses all. Bro, they have no authority because the league did suspend them, but then they go to somewhere else to complain about it and it gets taken back, rescinded. So the league is handcuffed. What can the league do? No, but I think that if if the league says this is what the league says and you can't take this outside of the league's judicial rules or whatever you can't go well, that's to gotta fucking, be that's to gotta the, be in to that little court. fine printing at the bottom that, that nobody reads yeah but they have to go through that but i think but, there's but i'm pretty sure there's but i'm pretty sure they have that now no there's loopholes they're going to outside courts i know but there's not that's not file a, a motion and in the meantime the league suspends the suspension because now the court is involved and they got to come to a decision which is crazy it, it, it is, is. Absolute, it's idiotic it's a joke and the whole Polina stuff started <laughs> right started this 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 stupid trend and like as you said it's a loophole they're taking advantage of it 
and it's absolutely pathetic. But that being said, Alfredo, the league is handcuffed. If that's the case, they need to sit down this offseason and everybody. But then again, yeah. they'll sit down. And you've seen it in years past, even with the pandemic stuff, when, it, when, when, the, when the clubs joined and to talk about how to go on and to how to attack and finish the rest of the season that year. I believe Porto Rico and Sparta didn't show up for the meeting. These teams don't show up for these meetings. They don't care about the authorities in the league because they feel we are the league. We're more powerful than the yeah. league. No, I think that I think you you probably crossing that off unless I'm uh, crisscrossing that unless I'm we're talking about two different situations. When the clubs visited the government, it was only the top four clubs. No, no, no. It was a meeting that that. Uh, maybe my mistake. I, forget, I think there was a league meeting that, or, or that's what it was. Only the top four clubs were yeah. involved. That's something like that. But but I've seen in plenty of meetings in Portuguese football that the top teams, basically yeah. don't even show up to these meetings. They send a delegate or whatever. They yeah. don't even pay attention. And you've seen like even like not too long ago, Jorge Jesus was under me. You see him in the Zoom, right? You see all of the people there. And Porto was missing. Yeah, nobody was. Not even a delegate from Porto was there. Not even a blank camera. It was nothing. They weren't even there. So. These teams need to start respecting the league. Whether they're upset, they they're I don't get bro, at the end of the day, the the authority, the major authority here in the room is the league. Yeah. But the clubs don't feel that. Yeah, way. and and I think the league has the right to really close close off their their rule structure, right? These are the rules. And these are the rules you gotta you gotta go super league. Yeah, and if you if <laughs> you cannot go you cannot take it to a court, an outside court, to deliberate on whether this is constitutional or not. This is the league. These are our rules, and you got to abide by. And like you said, if if you don't want to play, go play in another league. I I just I just think that, and maybe it's it's not as easy as we're kind of laying it out. Maybe there's it's a lot more complicated, and there's a lot more other judicial law that's involved before they bro, can do that. I don't know, bro. We don't want to talk about it, right? We don't want to. We don't want to really go in, right, on on our beautiful country, but our beautiful country is infiltrated with a bunch of crooks, corruption, a bunch of corrupt SOBs. All these guys are butt buddies of one another. Yeah. You got a guy from the league that used to work at Porto, and his assistant used to work at Benfica, and the other's one's uh, uh, supervisor worked at Porto. Like these you, guys you are all to school together. They've all, and it's just like you know, favors atrás favors. Rather than uphold, and, and it goes back to the judicial system as well. Rather than uphold whatever the law is, whatever the ruling is, there's ways to circumvent everything yeah. because money at the end of the day always talks. And it's it's such a beautiful country. I adore going back to Portugal. But in that sense, and I'm sorry if I'm offending some of you because I do not mean to offend anybody because I'm Portuguese and I'm proud of being Portuguese. And I and I, and I wave that flag living in the house, living outside of Portugal day after day. I wave my Portuguese flag proudly, right? But Portugal is 30 years behind everybody when it comes to that sense. You feel yeah. like you talk about those third world countries. When it comes to that, corruption, all that nonsense going on, Portugal's got a lot of work to do to yeah. catch up to, to some of these, you know, to, to, to these normal world powers or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, them. for sure. Uh, so one one with the Porto game it wasn't the result that we uh, that we wanted. Uh, Porto was okay with the result because I don't I think that after the Braga game and after the Riwav game, which was the game that Sporting the two games that Sporting played before this game, uh, not on the same day obviously, but once they beat Riwav, which was the game before Benfica and Porto's game, I think that Porto by then and there was said, well, this is. This is done and dusted. We just need to lock up second place. I think that if Porto really needed to win the game, they probably would have found a, found a way to win the game. Uh, but nonetheless, I mean, these substitutions by JJ in the 95th minute with Gilberto and Pedrinho coming in, I don't know, just typical. Well, maybe maybe you know what it is, Alfredo? <laughs> maybe they got a, a, a clause, right, appearance clause in the contract, and JJ gets a kick out of it, gets a kickback. Nothing surprises me. <laughs> if you make me. 25 appearances in League of Nords, you get an extra million. And may, I don't know. I'm just being sorry. You know, being not, Nothing surprises here, but, me, dude. But nothing I mean, it makes me. no sense. But nonetheless, I don't think that was the difference between winning and losing. I really don't think that had anything nah. to do with it. So No. Nah. Um, turning our attention to today's game, uh, the Nacional game, but if you could travel over to the beautiful island of uh, Madeira to play uh, Nacional a team that's fighting to fighting relegation, a team that 
at some point this season, we asked if a game could be postponed as a result of having many positive COVID cases in our squad, and they flat out told us no. Um, so I was really looking forward to this game, and especially with that hanging over Benfica's heads. But maybe that means nothing to the club. Maybe that means nothing to the players. Maybe that that's something that means a lot more fans, and we really wanted for Benfica to uh, get revenge on Nacional. Uh, but certainly, I think that at this point, I think the team has has dialed it in. Uh, I think they're just going through the motion of of finishing out this league because they already know that sec third place, they can't get to second place and uh, third place is probably where they're going to finish. So um, playing against Nacional again, uh, six changes from the Porto game um, made by JJ, a couple of them forced obviously with, uh, with Gonçalves being uh, hurt, being suspended, Rafa being hurt, Tarat didn't, uh, didn't travel, uh, so six changes. Um, Helton, uh, Verissimo Otamendi as a center-back pairing. Gilberto on one side, Tavares on the other. Uh, Weigel, Chiquinho, Pedrinho and Servi on the wings. Walshmit behind Seferovic was the was the starting lineup. Um, eight minutes in, Nacional up one one nothing, and I think that they they were already threatening Bifica in those first minutes. And again, poor poor. First half by uh, by Benfica, and I think that uh, if Nacional goes uh, into the locker room winning one nothing was more than than just for what they've done at that point. In uh, the second half, um, JJ operates three uh, substitutions uh, and one shot. He brought in Grimaldo, Pizzi, Everton uh, for Servici, Quinio, and Pedrinho, uh, and things started flowing a little bit uh, a little bit more. Tavares had a goal call back because of a foul. In the initial play by Vrissim, uh, then Darwin came into the game and Benfica would benefit from an own goal in the 78th minute and then uh, packed two more goals, both by Gonzalo Ramos, assists from Darwin also on both. Um, and uh, we ended up coming out of the Madeira Island uh, with the win, but it was ugly there for a while. <sighs> <laughs> that first half, I, I, that was, I, I don't know, that, that was right there with, with maybe some of the worst 45 minutes of the season. Right there. Afraid. We've seen pretty bad that, but 45 that was, minutes. That was bad, too. Yeah. Helton, Helton kept us in the game. Um, being down 1-0 could have easily been down 2-0. Um, credit to Helton for standing on his head and, and making some fabulous saves. Team did not show up to play. Um, a lot of these pretty boys that you guys love to clap and love to tweet about and love to blow kisses at – when they do get their opportunities, they, they do jack crap with them. Um, and as I've told you, Alfredo, plenty of times, when you get very little playing time and you finally get thrown out to the Wolves, then you have to, or the Lions then, I should say Wolves then. But whatever, I guess there is a Wolves then. When you get thrown out there, you have to scratch and claw your way into getting more minutes. And these guys just don't have the quality. Credit to JJ for, I guess, I mean, I can't even say credit. Well, <laughs> shit was so bad that he had no choice. Well, here's the thing. To make changes. At the end of the game, he says... Uh, players didn't understand what I wanted from them. Those players that went in in the first half. But here's the it thing: looks you like had it. a whole season with these players. How do they not understand what they want? What you well, want? Well, I them? think he's throwing a jab at them. It's kind of like, yeah, these guys they ain't got it now. Until now, they look they ain't gonna get it. Forget about it. Yeah, they ain't getting it. I, I get that. And and look, those are forty five minutes I want to forget about. But credit to them in the second half, they came back. Darwin. Fantastic, twenty-five million to lead the league in assists. I guess it was worth it. Uh, he led the league in something. We were we were hoping it was goals, but look, none of that was assists. So it's kind of like half a goal, right? It's half a goal. So he's leading the league. Uh, so credit to him for coming to see. That's the type of guy. Like we talk about the pieces of the world that come into the game and just go about it. You know, just go through the motions. Darwin, even though a monk, a friend of Melisa, but he puts in the shift. You know what I mean? The guy's always trying. And that's all we ask of our Benfica players is that when they do come in, <clears throat> that they lay it all on the line and they give it their best. And if it doesn't work, you give it your best again. And you try and try and try until you do succeed. And Darwin has that attitude, man. And it's something that I'm not happy about spending $25 million on, right, for that attitude. But credit to him, he does have it. And he's tolerable 
right? You can tolerate someone like that because he's young. You're hoping he's going to get better. You're hoping with more comfortability in Benfica and Portugal next year in the, in the Liga Nos that he does a lot better and he does finally score those goals because you see a lot of opportunities that he has. Even in today's game, when he pulled back for the for the assist on the second goal, on on uh, the Puto second goal, uh, Gonzalo Ramos, he could have been selfish. He could have gone on goal, but no, he cut back. And I think that's a lot to do with his confidence. He doesn't have the confidence, and so he didn't want to. So he played it safe. And But at the end of the day, he played it safe, and he didn't kill the jugada. He played it safe, and he picked out the right man. So he had the awareness. Sometimes he plays it safe, yeah, he and he played kills it, it. Sometimes he does play it safe. And he, but in this instance, he did played it safe, picked out the right man, and, you know, fortuitous, bounce, 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 but whatever went in. That's all that matters. Uh, and, you know, at the end of the day, and Benfica was able to squeak away with, when you look on paper, 3-1 to one victory, <laughs> but... Uh, it was not again, as it was comfortable. nothing but that. It was is not as you know not as comfortable. Not as Helton comfortable. had another huge save off a of deflection from Otamendi's chest Two early on in saves. the oh, early on in the first in the second half, I should say. Yeah. Um. I think he's proved to everybody that he could play at Benfica. I'm not sure, and I'm, we're gonna do this at this point. One thing I'm most looking forward to now it's the keep sell alone. <laughs> that <laughs> can't show. wait, and I think he's shown that he could be at Benfica. I'm just, I, I I'm just. I, I think Benfica can still upgrade a little bit. But I don't know if a lot of that has to do with the fact that we've gotten I accustomed. would like him as a second guy. Yeah, but he might be a fir- but the first he might guy. Be, he, might be, he might be good enough as a first. I think he's but good enough. We, he's, he's good enough to say that if you have a goalie, and let's, let, let's talk about your favorite goalie today. Woo, who's that? I, I'm asking you. Oh, you ask all block. Let's say Benfica picks him up. All block. Never gonna get him, but that's my. If Oblak gets hurt, are you stressing? No, because, if he's my uh, number Elton two, comes in. No, well, we did it last year. If you want to go back, last year Benfica was so stressed about Oblak. Uh, Oblak, we wish about Vlakodimos. Who's our second? And it was Zlovin, and it was uh, the Svilar. Yeah, I, I think. Yeah, there's a huge I, drop. It's there. a huge difference between. Helton and those guys. So, yeah. But Helton is good enough, in it, as we've had this conversation on and on off the year. Where I was told at the beginning of the year, sooner or later, Helton's going to take Vlako Dimas to starting spot. And he did. So, credit to the person yeah. that told me that. And this is a person inside Benfica that knows very well what he's talking about. But that being said, I'm I'm content. He's shown that he can play. If we have a couple of trucks laying around and we could upgrade, I'm, I, I would gladly do so. But at the end of the day, I think if Benfica... Let's go some of this dead weight. They bring in players that are going to give the lead rule, as we like to say in Portuguese, they're going to give it their all and play for the shirt, for the amor and respect. And no matter what the result is, they're always going to fight and fight and fight. I think Kelton will be all right. I, 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 don't think, I don't think that's our weakest position. It's kind of like we're going into next season if he stays on as the goalie. Like we came into this season and thinking and saying, well, not me, because you know how I felt, but a lot of people, that if O'Block is our weakest link, we're okay. If Elton is our weakest link back there, I think we're okay. Yeah. Where in no, years no, past no. we I, couldn't say I, that. I, I get that. And I, I think that he's uh, proven time and time again uh, that he deserves to be uh, the number one. Uh, I don't think that he's he's top level as O'Block or, or Ederson. But certainly uh, I think that he's he's proven um, and he's kept Benfica in a couple games uh, as of late. Um and we'll get to that episode of buy, you know, keep, sell, or, or loan, whatever. I think that Vlakodimis will ultimately force a move out of Benfica, out of Benfica uh, this summer. A year or two too late. Yeah. So we'll 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 see what happens with that. From what I hear, and I haven't watched a lot of games. Vilar has been doing has been progressing yeah. well uh, in the B. Maybe next year, yeah, but the he makes a I... jump to a team from the first division. And this is where we miss Dave. Dave, love you, miss you, brother. It's contra. It's contra's got to be coming up. Svilars? Yeah, this is year four or five already. This this deal's got to be coming yeah, he up. He might have one more one more deal. One, he might have one, one more, more year? year in this deal. Mike, because he ought to be. I, I don't know if he's a free agent after this year. If his contract runs out, if not, he's definitely got at least one more year. It's not much more than that. Yeah, I think he's got. Um, I think he has to have one more year. See, that's the one thing. The transparency we get in American sports, we don't have in football. We really don't have any idea what these guys' contracts run. Is there something you could see? I mean, I just don't see where. Um, I, I know they're very hush hush about these things. You hear rumors, but nothing is ever confirmed. Uh, uh, let's see. August two thousand seventeen okay. was when he. Uh, so we're year four now. We, but what did he sign? 
Did he sign a five-year deal? Usually deal? four or five, four or five years. Benfica usually in the habit of doing. So he might have is he might be entering his last uh, year of contract um, next year. Okay, I I'm, think I'm here on transfer market and. It doesn't. Yeah, it says here that he signed for Bifica August 28, 2017. Contract expires. So he's got one more year, June 2022. Okay. So he's so got one more year. So next year will be. I, I, I very much doubt that Bifica will send him out on loan in his last year of contract. Bifica probably wants to keep the him. The only way they send him out on loan will be, as we've seen in years past, one of those re up. And oh, we'll renew your contract and send and them out. Send you out. Yeah, because they're not going to – makes no sense sending no. him out alone with his contract expiring. And, and then you yeah. send him out alone, and then he does blow up, and he plays well, and now you get stuck with nothing. So I think Benfica, they might – if they don't keep him on the main roster as number two, because I, as you said before, I do think Vlaka will be gone. I, I think if Svilar stays, he will sign a two-year, three-year extension, and, and then he either stays or he gets alone. But I do think there's a good chance because – He's on the cusp, right? You know, he went through a period there where he didn't look ready. He didn't even look like he was enthusiastic. He was motivated at Benfica. And then, you know, then he I heard that going to the B team, he took it as a slap in the face. It was something he really didn't want to do. But as he played and played and played, I think he's gotten his confidence back. And you see a totally different approach. You'd see a totally different persona from him on the field. Yeah, he's played uh, 19 games for the B team. Yeah, and so you could tell. The confidence level has definitely been elevated. Um, so I, I don't think the chapter uh, has been closed on, on, on Svilar yet. Uh, so I think Benfica will most likely um, extend them for another two, three years. And then, you know, maybe, just maybe, this guy will be the guy that, you know, that that will that, take over for, for, for Helton. And, you know, we'll still be here, all of us praising and talking about the, the young kid. Because that's the one thing we forget. He got to Benfica at a very, very young age. Extremely young. Yep, he was at the time. I think I 17. think he was the youngest uh, goalie in ever to Champions feature in the Champions League. League right? Yeah. Broke yeah, uh, broke Casillas. Yep, against that game, the game I was at against <laughs> Manchester United, we lost one zero. The one that he that stepped inside goal. Yeah, they caught him. Uh, Marcus Rashford caught him. Caught him napping, and he backed up, tried to chip him, and obviously he he, he look he saved the ball. Credit to him, but but he took a step back inside the goal, so the ball crossed the line, and if he could lost one 0 in the Champions League. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, uh, three points uh, for Benfica against Nacional uh, and uh, to keep Nacional in the relegation zone. Up next for Benfica, Sporting, the newly crowned Portuguese champions as of Benfica. today, will play Benfica on Saturday, 6 p.m. local at Stade de Luz. Um, a game that Benfica urgently needs to win. Urgently, and I'll tell you why. Talk because to in the history of Portuguese football, two Fantastic teams have gone undefeated. 72, 73, if I'm not mistaken, Benfica. And one of the Andres Villas Boas Porto with the Falcons, Guarins, James, whatever. Those fantastic teams that went on to win the Europa League and everything. Those are the only two teams that have gone undefeated in, in Portuguese football. It would be an absolute disgrace if this sporting team joined them in those. I, I, I understand that. I understand what you're saying because when you look at those rosters, right? Mm -hmm. And you look at Sporting's roster, they, nothing to do with it. Nothing. Um, I mean, you're talking about established players. I mean, you're talking about teams that went very went, went far Fantastic in Europe. Fantastic in Europe. Uh, there were teams mm -hmm. that were well-known in Europe uh, mm -hmm. as some of the best teams in Europe. But you look at the Sporting game. And look, I don't want to take anything away from, from the Sporting team, obviously, because I think that Juven Amorim um, did a very good job. Uh, with this team not have not playing in Europe helped. Um, not having fans in the stands helped because you're looking at a team that's very young that could really be affected by the the, the schizophrenic fan base of Sporting. Uh, because at any sign of things going bad, those fans like to manifest themselves, and I think it would. It would have been bad for the kids because they're not used to that. So not having uh, European competition, uh, not having fans uh, in the stadium, I think it really helped uh, Ruben Amorim consolidate that team and really lock up that team and keep those kids focused with their eyes on the prize. And then game by game, uh, and how many games did they win after the 90th minute? A lot of games. Um, so I can't take a lot of – I can't take – 
credit away from them of the season that they have. They've been the most regular. But certainly, when you look at this team and what they're about to do in terms of a feat of undefeated, and you compare them to those two teams, nothing to it. Huh? Huh? Wait, huh? Wait, what happened? I just spent. I was sleeping. No, so, no, you know. So I think that yeah, I'm with you. I think that it, Benfica kind of owes it to that 72-73 team to um, to really shut down this this Sporting team and 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 hand them their first uh, loss. However, I don't know, and it's like we were discussing before the Porto game. We don't know what what Benfica team is going to show up. Uh, and that's always been an issue with this Mifika team. And now it's pretty much. What motivation do they have? Yeah. Is it just to, oh, we were the team that beat Sporting on this well, on this run? Again, it goes back to what I told you regarding Porto, right? Which is a rivalry game. It doesn't matter what they're playing for. There's always the juices are always going to be flowing. And when Sporting comes into your house, champions or not, that's your crosstown rival. And again. Benfica them red, bro. You want to defend that shirt and you want to represent that shirt with the most up dignity and the whole nine. And you don't want to lose at home to those guys, regardless of the champs or not. You don't want to lose to them ever. That's the attitude. You need to have that attitude. You need to have that thought process. Forget who these guys. I don't care if back to back Champions League. You're coming into my house. You're my eternal rival. You're not going to make it. We're not going to make it easy for you. Not walking out of here with the three points. Yeah, but how many times have we questioned this team and their attitude and their commitment to the jersey? And we're going to question it all the time. But in these games, Porto and Sporting, if I need to question and if I need to motivate you, you should not be in my team. You should not be in my locker room. Yeah. Because if you're not self-motivated for a game like this, my man, you're not cut out for this. You're in the wrong business. Yep, last five between the two teams, three wins for Benfica, two losses. Uh, last uh, three, uh, Benfica has won. Edge tied to lose the last three matches against Sporting. Well, Benfica went went a nice chunk of, of of you know years without losing to Sporting. So I mean, the numbers are going to be favorable. But now, two, two totally different teams, heading in two totally different directions. But again, it's Benfica at home against their eternal rival, Sporting Lisbon. And Benfica needs to yeah. step it up. We, yeah, we also don't know, uh, you know, obviously celebrations today. The team's going to be off tomorrow. Uh, I mean, Sporting's going to be off tomorrow. Get back to work on Thursday. Game is on Friday. Uh, I don't know if the focus will be there, but I'm sure Ruben Amorim will find a way to focus this team. But I, Bro, I really those guys, hope- they live for this. They're playing Benfica. They yeah. know it's the biggest game of the champions or not. This is these guys. They have that in their blood, the hatred. This is what they live for. I have no doubt they're gonna be up for it. My question is, will Benfica be up for it? Yeah, that's the million dollar question. Right. And with that question, we leave you. That's all we got for this week. Next week, we'll obviously uh, break down this Sporting game and look ahead to mm-hmm. Benfica's last couple games. Of the season at 10 CO10 at 87 DO87 at Befica Podcast is where you can find us on Twitter and uh, and all uh, podcast platforms. Befica and then to check out yep, many, 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 many programs that they have on that beautiful website. Um, thank you guys for the support. Thank you guys for tuning in. And it's guys, almost over. Better days are ahead. We promise it's almost over. We got a couple, at least a couple more weeks. Carrega Benfica. Take care, everyone. Thank you.